You know, when Jesus walked the face of this earth, he didn't just walk around and share a nice little message and say, I hope I can gather a crowd today. Jesus came with a purpose. He he, he was going to die. If he was going to die, he was going to die for something more than just a, a cute sermon. He, he died to help people. He died to break them free from the strongholds and areas of bondage and conflict in their life. That's why he came. Now, now why in the church we have tended to move away from that, I don't know. But it, it seems like in today's church, we, we just sometimes we just want to have nice little messages you know, don't say anything that could possibly cause me to feel uncomfortable. You know, God forbid that we're ever uncomfortable in church. Well, if you're uncomfortable, I'm going to hear, tell you something that that may be something called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And it may mean that the Holy Spirit wants to deal with you and change some things in your life. So I encourage you today, allow that to happen. Allow it to happen. The truth of Jesus and the truth of God's word makes the world uncomfortable. It makes sin uncomfortable, it makes rebellion uncomfortable. So, so just understand that happens. Understand this, that just because you're saved, that doesn't mean you're not going to have any more problems. Just because you're saved, it doesn't mean you will never, ever again struggle with sin. How many of you have found that to be true in your life? Uh, just because you're saved does not mean that you don't have areas in your life, little closets of your life in which you are still bound after you've been brought out of sin. Think about it. Even after God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, they still had issues, didn't they? Even though they had been delivered, they still had issues. They were following God. They were out there in the wilderness doing what he told them to do. But they were, how many of you remember, they were still stubborn, right? They were still selfish. They were still rebellious at times, even after they had been delivered from Egypt. They, they had that in their lives. And so my question is, could we maybe still have some of those kind of areas in our lives as well? You know, when I was growing up as a, as a, as a child, <laughs> I don't know how else you grow up. Uh, I guess we all grow up as a child. It's kind of a little redundant, I guess. But, uh, but I was not a big kid at all. I'm still not a, I'm, well, I'm getting to be a bigger man, but, but not the right ways, if you know what I'm talking about. But I was not a big kid. How many of you were like me? How many of you were really small when you were growing up? How many of you were made fun of when you were growing up because you were really small? Yeah, yeah, I was like that. I got made fun of. I was, I was like the third smallest kid in my class all every year because everybody grew. And I'd grow and I'd think, oh, finally, but no, everybody else grew. I was like the third smallest kid in my class. I was skinny as a rail. I had an overbite and I wore glasses. I had the, the, the holy triad there, you know. And, and so I was a target for many of the other kids because I was so small and they're really Honestly, because I was so small, there was really nothing I could do about it. So I started doing something that I didn't realize I was doing. I started bottling up my emotions because I was afraid that, that what would happen if I stood up for myself. And that was easier to deal with than trying to deal with the bullying that was going on. Now, I know that today we have a greater awareness of bullying and we're, we try, people try to deal with it. But, you know, can I tell you back in our day, uh, what, what happened, we, we had bullies but, but, the, but the only thing we could do was to have bigger friends who would beat the bully up. That's the only way we could deal with bullies back then. I, you know, I can't beat them up, but two of my bigger friends could. So, I, so we just deal with the bully. Instead of having a, an assembly, a good cry in a lawsuit, we would just go beat the bully up. Now, now don't do that. That's not, I'm just joking. Don't hear me. and Don't write me a letter. I'm not going to read it anyway. But, but, uh, but I learned to bottle up all my feelings, to bottle up all of my anger, all right, then I, then I got saved. 
between my junior and senior year in high school. I got saved. I get spirit filled. I get called into ministry. I'm a youth pastor. I married Julie. How many of you are married here? Let me see your hand. All right. Most of us in this place. How many of you have gotten into, not a, not a fight, but how many of you have talked loud with one another, right? Let me see your hand. We, we don't fight. We're Christians, right? But but we just talk loud, you know? So Julie, Julie's like, why are you talking so loud? And I'm always just like, it's my preaching voice. I preach like this, you know? So, uh, but uh, anyway, I, 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 I could bottle up all my emotions, but the problem was, after doing that, was that all of that anger was still inside of me. How many of you have learned that marriage has a way of bringing out what's really inside of you? You know what, you know what a marriage is? A marriage is two funerals and a resurrection. It's true because you both have to die and then you have to become one. And, and so it, it, that's a great way to think about it. Seriously, though, I would bottle up all of those emotions, but all of that anger was still inside of me. And then I could maintain it. I could deal with it most of the time. But then from time to time, something would happen. I'd be jogged from the outside and I would spill that would spill out on, uh, out of my life onto the lives of people around me. Now, I was saved. I was filled with the spirit, but I, I needed to go to God and let him help me deal with this issue in my life because I had learned to do this when I was a child and I had carried this issue into my marriage and into every other relationship I had. I had to have God's help to deal with it. So I'm just saying that just to let you know that, that after you get saved, you still have problems. You still have some areas of your life that God wants to deal with. You have sin in your life that you haven't dealt with. And and listen, I have known people who were immensely talented, far more talented than I would ever dream of being. They had everything going for them. They they had seemingly unlimited potential, but they never, ever dealt with the sins in their life. And they ruined their life because they weren't willing to let go of some things. I'm telling you, you can you can blow some things. You can wreck a marriage. You can ruin your future. You, you, You can be a spirit filled believer and still have areas of your life that will destroy you and destroy those around you. And I'm saying this morning, let's just get go ahead and sweep that stuff out of our lives today. Let's let's get rid of it today. Everybody say amen. Are you with me? All right. I'm going to preach a message called one more night with the frogs. One more night with the frogs. And they're here. I put frogs all over the church. How many of you found your little frogs? You thought some little kid did that. Well, I guess maybe you could still say that if you knew me well enough. But, uh, but, but one more night with the frogs. What's the title of my message? Turn to your neighbor and say, one more night with the frogs. I, I want you to remember that. You, by the way, you can take these frogs home. Please take these frogs home. The ladies who clean the church would really love it if you take these frogs home. And... Uh, don't Chuck thought they were candy. He ate them. Don't do that. I can't guarantee they're not toxic. So, but uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you a story uh, about what the Bible has to say about this. I'm going to get into a story from the Bible that talks about the Israelites when they were still in captivity in Egypt. Moses has already had his burning bush experience, and God told him to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go, and then. Aaron joined him. So Moses and Aaron go to go in to, before Pharaoh. They confront Pharaoh and he and he goes up to Pharaoh and he says, Pharaoh, if you don't let my people go, I'm here to warn you that if you don't do it, God's going to send some plagues. And they had locusts and they had gnats. They had boils. They had all kinds of things. It's a horrible. You listen, you think you've had some bad times in your life. Go read about the 10 plagues and imagine yourself in that situation. But one of the plagues was a plague of frogs of all things. 
So let's look at what it says in Exodus chapter 8. We're going to begin in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, go back to Pharaoh and announce to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so that they can what? What does it say? Right, so, so that they can worship me. So maybe, maybe your deliverance is not necessarily just for you to feel good and get your sins removed. Although there's good, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But maybe your deliverance is so that you can worship him. You know, so a sign of you being delivered is that you become a worshiper. And if I'm a worshiper, listen, if I'm a worshiper, I don't need the right atmosphere or my favorite song to worship. I don't need to have everything just right. But listen, think about Paul and Silas down in the, in the, in the prison and, and they, their backs are beaten and bloody and they're in stocks. They're in prison. They don't know what's going to happen. And what they do, they started singing praises to God. They didn't have to wait for the right kind of music. They didn't have to write, wait for their favorite song. They didn't have to wait for the atmosphere to be perfect. They just began to worship God right where they were and in that worship that's when the earthquake broke out and all kinds of people were set free I, I can worship anywhere because God has set me free if I listen if I have to have everything just right if I have to have just the, the right song if I've got to have somebody stir up something within me then then the truth is I'm not seeking God I'm seeking an emotional experience okay so now I've gone from preaching to meddling but Jesus sets you free to worship him, not so you can get something out of him. You're here to do something for him. Amen? Amen? All right, let's keep reading. Verse 2. If you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs across your entire land. Now, I'm going to pause there again because a, now a plague of frogs seems really, really strange to us. You know, but, but you need to understand something. The Egyptians, you, you probably already know, had many, many gods. But one of their gods was a frog god. Now, I've always laughed. It kind of makes me laugh when I hear about the things some people choose to worship. You know, like there's a temple in India where you can go and they worship monkeys. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, I've been to the zoo. I know what monkeys throw at people. I'm not going to worship them, but it's just a little odd. So we think it's a little strange, but, but Egyptians had many gods. One of the gods was a frog god. And the name of the god was Heket, which was the goddess of childbirth. So when Egyptian women were pregnant, they would go into the worship of the temple of the goddess of Heket. I guess, I don't know, I guess they'd offer a little lettuce to Kermit or something before their childbirth. I don't know what they do. But so, so God's thinking, oh, okay, so one of their frogs, one of their gods is a frog. How about I just give them a whole bunch of frogs and show that I'm, I'm, I'm the God of their God. So he sent frogs of all kinds and he, he sent millions of them. How many, how many of you have ever eaten frog legs in your life? How many of you like frog legs? I feel pretty sure in Egypt during this time, they had all kinds of restaurants with all you can eat frog legs signs up. I'm pretty sure they had that. But listen to the rest of the story. Verse three, the Nile River will swarm with frogs. They will come up out of the river and into your palace, even into your bedroom and onto your bed. Can you imagine that? Frogs, five o'clock in the morning, something is bouncing on your bed. Honey, what is that? Something's jumping all over the bed. So something's jumping on my face. What is this? What's going on? So you flip the light on and, and there are thousands of frogs all over the room. They're, they're all over your covers. They're, 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 they're jumping around. All these little eyes are suddenly looking at you from all over the room. And you throw the covers back and they're underneath the blankets. They're all over you. They're everywhere. As you step out of the bed, you're squishing the frogs under your feet. They're all over. That's what it's saying. Says they will enter the houses of your officials and your people. They will even 
jump into your, your ovens and your kneading bowls. Frogs will jump on you, your people, and all your officials. In other words, nobody's going to be exempt from this. Everybody's going to have some frogs. The frogs become, become a problem. Now, the frogs for us today are going to be a picture of sin in our lives because sin has the same results. If I have sin in my life, the longer it stays in, in my life, the, the more I'm going to be fed up, the more I'm going to be tired of living this way and living with this sin in my life. So, so frogs are going to cover the whole land. Let's keep reading verse 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, raise the staff in your hand over all the rivers, canals, and ponds of Egypt and bring up frogs all over the land. So Aaron raised his hand over the waters of Egypt and frogs came up and covered. Not just a couple of houses, but they covered the whole land. And then verse 7 is almost kind of funny. But the magicians were able to do the same thing with their magic. They too caused frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. <laughs> well, good for you, magic people. You know, what a great idea. We've got millions of frogs everywhere. Let's pull up some more. It's just kind of an odd thing. But so, so we have frogs everywhere. Now, for us today in this message, these frogs represent things in our lives. You have an anger frog. You have a pride frog. You have a selfishness frog. You have a frog of unforgiveness. You have the frog of addiction. What is it? What, what do you have? It's going to be some area in your life where it has been there so long and it has multiplied and now you're sick of it. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you the progression of sin in another place in Scripture. And then we're going to come back to this story to close out the message today. But I want to show you the progression of sin that shows you how things progress. If you don't deal with sin... At a certain stage, it just gets worse and worse. It's like an infection. You know, if you have a, a bad infection and you don't deal with it, is, is it just going to get better on its own? No, it's going to get worse. And sin does the same thing in our lives too. You, you know that, but, but I don't know you've ever seen in the Bible how the Bible actually lays out the progression of sin. So Psalm chapter 19, this is what it says in verses 12 and 13. Who can understand his errors? Somebody say errors. Say it nice and loud. Errors. Yes. Cleanse me from secret salt. Somebody say secret faults. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Somebody say presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion. Say Somebody say dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Somebody say great transgression. Okay, there are five areas and I'm going to explain these areas and how they grow. The first thing that he lists there in that passage is errors. For example, when I got saved, I didn't really know the Bible. Not like I know it today. Now, now when you get saved, I don't, it does, I don't care if you're 20 years old or 60 years old. If you don't know the Bible, then you don't know how to live as a child of God. In fact, I, the, the sorry fact is that there, there have been people who have been saved for 30 years who still don't know the Bible, so they still don't know how to live for God. But, but, but when, you, when you first get saved, you don't know the Bible, you don't know what to do. And we, we have people, you know, that come into church and they, they give their lives to Jesus and maybe they're living together, maybe they're sleeping together, maybe they're not married and, and, they don't, and they're doing these things because they just don't know. And listen, we're not mad at them. We're not mad at them because they don't know. They're brand new Christians. They're babies. And babies make errors. They don't know what the, that they're doing wrong. They can't help themselves. Let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. Who, somebody bring me a baby. Somebody bring me a baby. Come on up here, buddy. Bring me a baby. All right, come here. What's the baby's name? Whatever, you want. Whatever I want it to be. All right. It's like, by the way, 
parenting tip. If you want to look cool in the mall, carry a baby like this. So, no, don't do that. I'm kidding. So, so you got a baby. Here's the thing about this baby. There's a lot of things that we can see that we know about this baby. I'm going to give you this illustration to help you understand it. Um, this baby does not care if I'm preaching. This baby does not care if the president is talking, doesn't care if Billy Graham is preaching. If this baby gets upset, it's going to cry. And imagine it's a real baby. It's not real. You know, some of you would be, but just imagine me. If a baby gets upset, it's going to cry. It does not respect anybody. It doesn't respect any situation because it does not know how to act yet because it's a baby. That's why this church is always going to be open to people who, uh, we, listen, we don't turn away people if they don't act right or dress right because they're babies in Christ. They don't know how to act. They don't know how to dress. They don't know how they're supposed to live. They're babies and we help them out. Now, now this baby here is going to have a problem at, at some point in time. I, I don't know when this child is going to be hungry, but this child will let me know when he, when he is hungry, right? Eventually, you're, you're, you know, you, as a parent, you, you learn to read the crying and you know when it's a hungry cry or when it's, I need attention cry or when it's, when it's a fake cry or whatever it might be. But, but this child, this, this child is not going to let me know when it's going to fill its britches. Can I get it? Amen. And, and it's, by the way, uh, the, 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 it will always be a law of nature. It was always be right after you get her dressed up for church. That's just a law of nature. But the baby, this baby does not care if you sleep, right? It, it doesn't care if you get a good, good night's sleep. It doesn't care if you have to get up for work in the morning. The baby says, I'm going to keep you awake all night, and I'm going to stream, and I'm going to cry because I'm a baby. And the baby then starts growing up and starts to do things. So your, your baby walks, learns to walk, and it walks up to a fireplace or to a hot stove and starts reaching out a hand toward the fire, toward the flame, toward something that's hot. And you say no. And what does that baby do? The baby sort of looks at you and turns in, uh, you and, and makes it a little game and smiles at you and turns and wants to touch it again. And you say no. And sometimes, sometimes the baby has to learn the hard way. But sometimes babies learn the right way. But then what happens is after a period of time, you have a two-year-old. And that two-year-old wants to touch something that looks really pretty that you don't want them to touch. And so they grab out and hold of it and, they, and you tap their hand to correct them, right? And then that baby screams bloody murder. You know, the child screams, why'd you beat me, mama? And you're like, I didn't beat you. I tapped your hand. And the baby's like, I'm going to the sheriff, right? So a few years later, the baby's five years old starts to walk out into the street and you scream at them in terror. And when they stop, you say, you can't walk out in the street. The cars are big. The cars will kill you. Why does he want to walk out in the street? It's because he just doesn't know. What I'm trying to tell you is that there's a period of training somebody that's a brand new Christian. We're trying to help them understand how to live according to God's word. And, and, and so when we have people that come into church and and they're brand new to all of this. They just don't know. Listen, we want you to know we're going to take care of them. We're going to teach them. We say to them, no, you don't do that. That's not how you do. The, the, the baby starts making errors. So, so there's a correction that takes place. But we're not mad at them. Sir, ma'am, you can't honor Christ and continue to live together. Let's talk about God's plan for marriage. Sir, you were an alcoholic. 
So you really shouldn't be a bartender if you want to continue in your freedom. That's probably not a good thing for you. And I'm not, I'm just trying to help you out. I'm not trying to run your life. I'm just trying to help you understand that if you want to live for Jesus, you need to do this. If you were, if you're a drug addict, you, sir, you, you can't hang around with your old friends while they're selling drugs. You can't do it because you're a baby. You're just not strong enough to stand in that situation. I'm just trying to help you. I'm not mad at you. I'm just trying to help you. All right. That's the error. Now, now watch the pro- progression. Once you're old enough to understand, now you're, you're, you're hearing the Bible, you're hearing correction, you've been told the truth, and then you don't listen to it. I can't believe that we have to get married. Just We just want to live together. So what happens is you say, okay, we're, we're going to do that. We're going to do what we want to do. And then you learn how to act better in front of other people. You learn how to hide it. And then you move in to the second area, and it becomes a secret fault secret sin. Now, now the error that you wouldn't deal with because you're stubborn, you wouldn't deal with because you're prideful, you wouldn't deal with because back then, because you don't like to deal with correction. Nobody tells me what to do. You know, we have people today you can't say anything to. You can't say any sort of correction. Folks, the truth is we all need correction. We're not perfect. We need people in our lives that love us enough that uh, not, not that want to hurt us, but love us and want to correct us and help us to do something really great with our lives. How many of you know we need people like that? So what happens is it becomes a secret sin, which means that you become good at hiding your sin. Now this, this is an area where, you, where you've heard the truth, but, but if you ignore the correction, then you start to hide it. So you heard somebody say, oh, you, you have to quit looking at pornography. Oh, you, you know, you, 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 and then you don't repent. You don't stop looking at it. It's okay. The baby's all right. Remember, it's fake. Um, uh, you, you say, I, I have to hide it now. I can't let anybody find out about this. I just need to be a little bit better at this. I can come to church and worship. I can come to church and clap at the right times. I can come to church and raise my hands at the right moment. And, but I don't want anybody to know the truth. I have to act it out here, but I really have some areas in my life that I don't want other people to see. So now you've gone undercover with it. You think you're getting away with it. You think that nobody knows But the problem is that's not the end of it. That's not where this sin goes. All the areas of our life end up going to another level. So as you're here, I'm going to give you the opportunity to straighten that secret area of life out. But if you don't, then what's going to happen, what's going to happen is that you're going to move into the next area. And that's called a presumptuous sin. A presumptuous sin is an intentional, willful sin that boils over your life and you just presume that you can get away with it, that that God will just ignore it. This is where out and out rebellion kicks in and where where you begin to want your sin more than you want God. Now, eventually that sin will boil over into your life and it will become apparent to everyone that knows you. We're we're all going to find out about your little secret. It's going to come out one day I don't know anybody who's kept a secret all their life without it coming out. Be sure. My mom used to quote it to me all the time. Be sure your sin will find you out. How many of your mom quoted that to you growing up? Uh, Two or three of us. Okay. Uh, But anyway, let me just show you what it means. uh, I know this is a little small for it, but but, but how how many of you ever 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 boiled potatoes? Ever done that? Make some potato salad, you know, or maybe make some mashed potatoes or something like that. 
And, and so what you do, this is, this is a little small, but, but it was the easiest one to grab this morning. So you, you put some water in here, right? And then you, if you, I always put a little salt in the water there. And then, and then you put your potatoes in there and then you put it on the stove and you, you turn up the heat and, and, and then you head out because maybe you got some ribs on the grill or something and you've got some, if you're from South Carolina, you got some collard greens going somewhere or you decide you get some, so you decide to get these potatoes going. So you get the potatoes on the stove, you got them in the heat and, and then you go into the other room to wait for the potatoes to, 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 to finish because you know, a, a watched pot, Never boils, right? So you got to go in the other room for it to happen. So pretty soon you're in the other room and all of a sudden you start hearing hissing sounds coming out of the kitchen. What's happening? What's happening? Yeah. What's happening is that some potato spit is coming out of that. No, I'm just kidding. It's not really called that. But the starch in the potatoes starts to foam up in that pan and it boils over. And everybody in the room knows what's happening. Everybody knows what, what took place. We all saw it. We all witnessed it. Presumptuous sin is a sin that's going to boil over. You think you've got a lid on it. You think you've got it under control. But eventually, if you keep ignoring it, that sin is going to boil over and, and that heat is going to keep going up and it's going to blow the top off of this thing. And now we're going to know what's inside of you. We're going to know what you've been thinking. We're going to know what you've been hiding. Now you've already been caught. It's already been shown to some people that you have some hidden sin in your life. And there are people who know what's going on already. Your, your, your wife, your husband, your children, your relatives. They all know. So I'm going to give you today a chance to deal with, with those presumptuous sins. But if you want to stay stubborn and not deal with it, then you move into the area called a dominion sin. Now it gets really tough. It gets really tough because now you're dominated by your sin. A little, that little recreational drug use that you used to like so much, suddenly you can't stop using drugs you can't control it the pornography that you dabbled in that you looked at every once in a while just to get a buzz all of a sudden that thing dominates your life you have to hurry up and run home and, and you have to hide it you have to make sure that you've cleared your internet browsing history because you don't want your wife to find out you you want to stop you hate it but you can't control it anymore and it controls you now your sin is holding you captive and you're, and you're bound by it because you wouldn't deal with it back in the early stages and it continued to grow. A dominion sin is, 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 is one that is a fortress in, her, in your life. A, the devil's foothold has become a stronghold and now it controls your mind and you can't do anything about it. All right, let, let, me, let me show you. Some, some of you men, uh, you, you don't, I'm going to grab this. I'll be right back for those on the live stream. Okay, here we go. Some of you men don't know what this is. You've, you've never seen one of these before. Uh, th this is called a vacuum cleaner. So this, this is the church's vacuum cleaner. I don't even know if this one works. I didn't plug it in because I'm not going to vacuum today. But, uh, but, but uh, what happens is, uh, is, is that we, we come to church and, and we, we sit there and we listen to the preaching. And, it's, and, and when we sit, come to church and we sit and listen, it's kind of like being vacuumed. We listen to the word and, and as we do, we're, we're cleaning up some dirt in our lives. We're, we're having that, that, that dirt kind of vacuum up. We're, we feel better. We, we, we feel all right. We're feeling good about things. You know, I, I'm kind of, I, I'm cleaning the dirt though, but I'm, all I'm doing is I'm cleaning what's loose on the top. 
but I'm not really getting everything that's there, am I? How many of you know that's true when you vacuum? You're not getting everything, everything that's there because in most situations, in most carpets, you have spots. You got some stains. Anybody have some spots on your carpet? Some of you are like, I'm not going to admit it. It's okay, we've seen them. <laughs> We're just not going to mention it. But we have stains. And there, there are places in the carpet then where, where the dirt has been pushed in deeper and deeper and deeper. And then eventually it leaves a stain that the vacuum cleaner can never get out. It needs a deeper cleaning. And some of us, some of us, we have spots, we, we have stains because we've allowed these things to stay so long and it needs a deeper cleaning. It, because of this, you can't just come to church and listen to a sermon and get well and come out of it. What has to happen with a spot is that we have to get, we have to get some kind of, some kind of special cleaner. We got to get down on that spot and we got to spray it on there and we've got to scrub that spot out. And in our lives, what we need is we need to have that spot scrubbed out. And in our lives, what we need is the blood of Jesus to be applied to that place. And it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses that spot out. It's the blood of Jesus that gets rid of that, that sin that we have let settled and get stained in our life. He, he that's what Jesus did. He scrubbed the sins out of uh, uh, the stains of, of sin out of your life with his blood. Because you couldn't clean it, but he could. Now listen, you have this dominion area where you're bound by sin. The first three areas, errors, secret faults, and presumptuous sins, you, you can deal with them without anybody knowing about them. You can, you can walk to an altar before God and, and God will cleanse you. He will forgive you and maybe no one else knows what you've done. But listen, if you... Don't deal with those areas because you're stubborn, because you're selfish, and you moved into this area being dominated by sin. You're going to need somebody to help you. You need somebody to come alongside of you. You've tried everything and it hasn't helped. That's why ministries like Teen Challenge are so important. Because somebody, it's somebody to come alongside of you and help you learn how to apply the blood of Jesus in your life and learn to hold you accountable and teach you how to live the, the way of God and, and, and to help you. Sometimes we just need to come clean about those areas of our life where sin is dom, has, has dominion. And we need people to stand with us during those times and work with us if we're ever going to overcome that sin. So let's just say that you, you know you're bound right now because there, there are people bound right now and those people wouldn't move no matter what. Let me just tell me where it's going to go. Because, because if, if you don't deal with it at this stage, it moves into the last stage of a great transgression. Now the word transgression is used in the Bible, usually speaks to describe the worst of sins. If you're talking about a transgression, you're talking about a sin that is really bad. But when you put the word great in front of the word to des that describes the worst sins, now it's really, really bad. What is a grand great transgression? What does that mean? Well, it means this. It means that you know it's wrong. You know you have sin. But you're absolutely unwilling, unwilling to deal with it. 
You're sitting there and hearing the Word of God on a weekly basis, and when there's an opportunity for you to go and break the power of this thing in your life, you sit there as if you heard and he haven't heard a thing. You've gone numb. You've gone dead. You've grown deaf to the voice of the Spirit. Your conscience has become seared, and that's why it becomes a great transgression, because it's a sin that you know about, but you are unwilling to go to God and ask forgiveness and to receive freedom from it. All right, so listen, so they're frogs, all different levels. They're big, they're small, they're all different sizes, and they're everywhere. Now let's get back to the story. We'll close with this. Frogs are everywhere. These problems are everywhere. The story says in Exodus 8.8, 8, Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron. Now, now, so Pharaoh, this ungodly man, this person that believes in anything except God, calls out to a man of God. Let me tell you, sir, let me tell you, ma'am, you may, you may think you have it all together today. You may think that you have your sin all figured out. You may think that you've justified your sin. You may think that you can deal with it on your own. You, but I'm telling you and I'm warning you that there will come a day where you will be like Pharaoh. The problem, that sin is going to get so big, your frogs are going to be so numerous that you're going to fold and you're going to ask for a man of God, a man of God or a woman of God someplace and you're going to say, please help me. Please pray for me because your issues are going to get that bad. My question is, why wait until you're the prodigal son sitting out in the middle of nowhere, squandering all your money? You've lost everything and you're eating pig food. And then you come to your senses. Why wait? Why do you wait until you're, you get into prison? Why do you wait for your family to be destroyed? Why do you have to wait for your life to be lying on the garbage, garbage dump? It's time to wake up. So Pharaoh woke up. He said, I've had enough of this. You have to get to the place where you've had enough. That's what Pharaoh did. He said, I've had enough. And he calls out to the man of God and he begs. It says, then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and begged. He begged for this prideful man to beg. This is a real breaking in his spirit. He begged. Plead with the Lord to take the frogs away from, from me and my people. I will let your people go so that they can offer sacrifices to the Lord. Please take away my problems. Please take away my sin. There's going to come a time where you will say, I'm tired of living this life. So Pharaoh says, hey, man of God, Moses, I can't take it anymore. Please take the frogs. Take this problem away. I'll let you go worship. You can do whatever you want to do. Just get rid of this out of my life. And Look at Moses' response to him. Verse 9. I love this. Moses says, you set the time. Isn't that awesome? You set the time. Tell me when you want me to pray for you, your officials and your people. Then you and your houses will be rid of the frogs. They will remain only in the Nile River. So Moses says, all right, you set the time, baby. You tell me when. You tell me when you want these frogs gone. It'll happen. Pharaoh please, please, Moses, get rid of this. I can't take it anymore. And we get to the place where our lives, where we're sick of living in our sin, and we say, Jesus, please, Jesus, take this from me. I can't take it anymore. And Jesus says, when do you want me to do? Now, in the next verse, you're getting ready to read one of the most stupid, one of the absolute dumbest, stupidest answers that has ever been given to a question in all of human history, all right? Pharaoh's response to Moses is this. Do it tomorrow. 
Verse 10. Do it tomorrow. How about tomorrow? Can you back, to, back tomorrow? What's the name of the title? The title of the message this morning. One more night with the frogs. You want to spend another night with the frogs, Pharaoh? Let, let me give you a kind of real illustration of what we're talking about. Let's bring it into our lives. You wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning and you have something crawling on your face. Anybody ever have, wake up and have some, feel something crawling on your face? Isn't that a horrible feeling? It's just terrible. And so, and you realize, man, there's something crawling, crawling under my covers. And so you flip on the light and, and I'm going to, I chose, I chose this because I know this is going to creep a lot of you out. You, you, you flip on the light and there are spiders coming down from the ceiling all over your room, all over your kids' rooms. You have spiders crawling everywhere. And then you look around and you notice some roaches too. You flip the covers back and their roaches are crawling all over you in your bed. How many of you are getting grossed out now? You lost your appetites and I can preach a little longer. So you, you hop out of bed and, and as you hop out of bed, you're stepping on rats that are all all over the floor. Mama's screaming. The, the kids are screaming. You're screaming like a little girl. Mama's got a big old broom and she's sweeping the rats and the roaches and the spiders away from her and from the children. And you gather your family together around you and you're fighting your way through the spiders and roaches and the rats. And all of a sudden you hear a knock on the front door. Everybody, come on, let's go see who's at the door. So you go to the door. And there at the door, there's a guy standing there with a white hat and white coveralls with an Orkin pest control patch on his chest. He's got some poison in his sprayer. He's got some tools to take care of those rats. And he says, look, we understand there's been an outbreak in the Marion area of spiders and roaches and rats. And the city has paid for us to come around and get rid of all of this. I'm here right now. It will only take me a few minutes. I'll come in and I'll get them. I can get them. I can kill them all. Just let me come in and I'll do it right now. Would you like me to come in and do it right now? And dad looks, you look at them, him right in the eye and you say, well, can you come back tomorrow? And mama says, we're divorced. You get in here now, man. Kids are looking at dad like, did he just say what I thought he said? He wants us to spend another night with the spiders. He wants us to spend another night with the roaches. He wants us to spend another night with the rats. Another night with the frogs. It's crazy, huh? What's even crazier is that today, some people that are hearing this message are going to have the same opportunity. I'm going to ask you to deal with your frogs, to deal with your problems, to deal with your sins. Are you going to deal with it right now? Are, are you going to give, or are you going to give the stupidest answer that you could ever give? And that is that I think I'll deal with it tomorrow. I want to spend more, one more night with my sin, one more night with my anger, with, with my criticism, with my gossip, with my hate, with my vengeance, with my unforgiveness. Do, do you want to spend another night with that? You know, the devil's favorite word is tomorrow. God's favorite word is today. Today is the day of salvation. Now. Somebody say right now. This is his day. Stand to your feet. Maribeth, come. Begin to play I surrender all. I surrender all to you. God's getting ready to do something. He wants to do something big in your life. I'm believing that there will be people around this altar. I'm believing there'll be people on the live stream that are going to respond to this, that there'll be people who want to get rid of their frogs right now. Everybody here right now, listen, 
Are you ready to deal with it today? Don't say to yourself, oh, but it's just a little frog. I don't really need to deal with it. I don't need to go in front of everybody. I don't need to handle this. I can deal with this on my own. Don't, don't play with sin. Don't mess around with it. Just deal with it today. Humble yourself before God. Go before Him in, in, your, in humility and say, God, I want to get rid of this. I want to deal with this. I want you to scrub it out of my life with the blood of Jesus. I want you to set me free. I'm tired of living the way that I'm living. I want freedom from my sin. And I'm, I'm going to get rid of this. I'm not going to walk out with this in my life anymore. I'm not going to drag it out anymore. I'm going to deal with it right now. If that's you, as Mary Beth begins to play and sing, I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat everywhere in this place and come down here. God forbid that you stay in your seat today and say, I'll deal with it later. I'm, I'm not going to deal with it right now. I'll, 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 it'll just go away. It won't go away. It's not going to just disappear, and you know that by now. You're just lying to yourself. Oh, but pastor, you don't know my hurt. You don't understand what I went through. I can't deal with it. It's too deep. It, it, it's Listen, it's time to get over it and instead of letting it imprison you. We have to break that because that thing is holding you bondage. Listen to me. So, some of you can't get close to anybody. You know why? It's because trust has been broken in your life when you were a child and now you just don't trust people. You've been hurt. Every relationship you get into, it seems like they want to hurt you. Get rid of that frog. Get rid of that frog right now. That's not the way everybody is. There are a lot of good friends standing all around you right now that won't criticize the way you, you look or the way you act, that love you right the way you are, and they're not going to pass judgment on you. They want to help you become the man of God or the woman of God that you were created to be. We're going to love you. That's why you're here. Let's all deal with this junk. Let's deal with the lies that the devil has been telling us. Let's deal with it today. Come on, it's time to get rid of the frogs. I'm not going to say tomorrow. I'm not going to say next week. But right now, you may be a spirit-filled Christian. doesn't matter. There are still things in your life that God wants to deal with. That's why the Bible says to pray to our Father every day. And, 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 and there are things that we need that we deal with every single day. We're fighting the flesh. As long as we're on earth, we're going to be fighting the flesh every day. Th thank God that we have a church that's a hospital for the hurting and not a museum for the perfect. No, we're hurting. We want to get better. We want to be healed. We want to be more. We want to be freer. We want to walk in His Spirit. That's what this is all about. This is not about embarrassing anybody. In fact, if you're afraid of being embarrassed, that's the devil's lie trying to appeal to your pride. This is about telling the devil, I'm through with you. I'm through with you in my life in any area, and I'm ready to get free once and for all. I'm ready to get rid of these frogs. My past is not going to dictate my future. If that's you right where you are, Mary Beth, lead us. And as she sings, if you, if you want to come and deal with anything in your life and the Holy Spirit's been drawing you, I want you to come right now. Step out right now. Don't hesitate. There's already some that are coming. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. 
We're going to take some time. We're going to come and I want you just to bring it to God. I want you to lay it at his altar. I want you to repent before him. I want you to say, God, I want to be free from this. I'm sick of dealing with it. I don't want to try to have to hide it anymore. I want to walk in true freedom where I'm free from this sin. In the name of Jesus, I'm free from this pride. I'm free from this unforgiveness. I'm free from this addiction. I'm free from whatever it is. Anybody else, I want you to come. If you need to come, don't, if you feel even the slightest tug of the Spirit, don't hesitate and don't resist Him. Come and find your place at this altar. You can stand, you can kneel, you can get on your face before God. I don't care what you do. I just want to make sure you do some business with God if God is dealing with you today. Amen. Listen, if you see somebody up here that you love, I encourage you to step out right now from where you are. And I want you to come and let, put your arm around them. Lay your hand on their shoulder. Let them know, as we said earlier, that they're not alone in this. That there's a body of believers who loves them. That there are people in this church that are praying for them. There's a people in this church that are, that are going to stand with them and walk through, them all with, through the, every situation with them. So would you come? Don't, don't let comfort keep you from being used by God today. Come on, I need some more people here. You need to know somebody down here. I want you to come and pray. Come on and pray. It's all right. The roast won't burn. If it does, it'll just be more tender. Let's pray. Let's pray. Sing it. I surrender all. Would you just lift your hand to him and sing these words to him? Would you just surrender it to him? Would you just offer it to him and say, God, I, I want to be free. Cleanse me with the blood of Jesus. Wipe away every stain of sin. Let me walk in your freedom. Surrender it to him. Raise both hands to him at this moment. Sing it. I surrender it all to you, God. I surrender all of it to you, God. I'm not going to hold this. I'm sick of it. I want to be free from it. In Jesus' name, let there be freedom from unforgiveness. In Jesus' name, let there be freedom from hidden secret sin. In the name of Jesus, break chains, break addictions. Do what only you can do by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, we surrender to you, God. We stop trying to fix it ourselves. We stop trying to figure it out ourselves. In Jesus' name, we come before you, oh God, and we lay it at your feet and we say, God, here it is. My worst parts, my sin, my warts, I lay it before you, God. And God, I pray in Jesus' name, you would bring freedom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. Sing